Welcome to Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I'm your host, author Liz Tolsma. I just want to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to listen. I'm so excited to be able to introduce Angela K. Couch to you in just a little bit. We had a fabulous talk just before, and we had so much fun, and I can't wait to share that with you. Before we get into that, though, if you have not subscribed to Christian Historical Fiction Talk yet, either because you're new here, first of all, welcome, or second, if you just haven't gotten around to it, please just take a minute and do that so that you can be informed of all of the different episodes that we have and that you'll be the first to know when a new episode releases. Also remember that you can find Christian Historical Fiction Talk on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. So be sure to check us out over there. We have lots going on there, and sometimes I ask questions or put polls up. You're going to want to be involved with that, so please check us out on our social media. And finally, before we get started, you can find today's show notes over on my website, which is liztolsma.com. There will be more information about A Rose for the Resistance. There will be more information about Angela, as well as a handy link to A Rose for the Resistance. And I'll even put in a link there to the Canadian Mounted story that she talks about and then you can also join my Patreon from that section as well. So be sure to look that up. Well, I don't want to take any more time away from Angela, so let's just dive right into our interview and say welcome to the show, Angela. It's so good to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. Before we really get into the heart of your book, A Rose for the Resistance, why don't you tell us about yourself? I am from Alberta, Canada, so way up north. I actually have a couple of Western Canadian Mountie novels coming out right away as well. I am the mom of five kids between 11 and one year old. So thankfully, the one year old is sleeping, so I can actually have some peace and quiet. I'll bet that's a rare thing in your household oh yes (laughs) quiet is pretty rare (laughs) wow good for you have you always lived in Canada yes born and raised born and raised okay so we'll see if we can detect that Canadian accent as we go through (laughs) I'll just throw some A's in every once in a while Oh, yeah. As I mentioned, your new book, A Rose for the Resistance, is part of Barber Publishing's Heroines of World War II series. And it just sounds so intriguing. And the premise is absolutely amazing. Can you tell us more about A Rose for the Resistance? So it's about a young woman named Rosalie who lives in northern France, kind of that Normandy area. And she, her father's gone away to war and she has her mother and her brother. And she just, as the war encroaches on them, she just doesn't want to think about what's coming because it's getting way too real with the Nazis invading France. 
So at the beginning, she's trying to avoid avoid the war, avoid what's coming, not think about it. But of course, you can't do that for too long before it you know, kind of hits you in the face. <laughs> and then she has quite the encounter later on in the war, doesn't she? Yeah. So a German officer, of course, he doesn't start out officer, um, Franz Kafka takes a interest. He's trying to figure out his own own path in the war. He's, you know, fighting on the German side and trying to figure out, you know, that that fine line between duty and morality. And he brings along with him another complication in the form of a downed British pilot, right? Oh, yeah. I got all the complications. Complications are good. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what I love so much about this premise, because you have a French young woman working for the resistance who meets up with this German soldier. So he's her sworn enemy. And he brings along with him a downed British pilot, which adds some intrigue and suspense. And he's supposed to be her ally. And you kind of get this, I guess, a love triangle, right? Out of it? <laughs> a little bit of that, too. <laughs> it was really fun writing the languages as well, because you have three different languages going on. Not everyone can understand everyone else the whole time. So that was kind of fun to figure out. <laughs> that is a good complication for sure. I didn't even think about that. That didn't register with me off the top of my head. But you're right. You have French and German and English. Do you speak, other than English, obviously, do you speak either French or German? No, I actually don't. <laughs> um, I grew up with a tiny bit of French being Canadian. My grandmère is French-Canadian. So I have it in my history, but uh, I actually stole the maiden name for Rosalie from my grandma and her side of the family. But yeah, no, I speak Russian and I speak English, but I don't speak the other ones. <laughs> well, very good. Then if I ever need Russian help with the book, I know who to call. <laughs> so what did you do to sort of distinguish the French from the... German from the English. Did you throw in a few words there or how did you handle that? Yes, for sure. Throwing in some few a few words once in a while, if it's the person who doesn't understand what's going on, then it's, you know, completely in that language. But there's not too much of that. Most of it's between Rosalie, who speaks French and she's learning German, and Franz, who speaks German and he speaks pretty good French as well because he's been in France for a while. Yeah, you kind of have to do that when you have <laughs> a hero and a heroine who yeah. speak different languages. I need to communicate. Though actually, my grandma, she spoke French with a little bit of English. And my grandpa only spoke English. And they had nine kids, so somehow they made it work. But it's definitely not <laughs> ideal. <laughs> no. Oh, wow. That is something. Now, the story takes place in, like you said, northwestern France and the Normandy area. And reading some of the early reviews of it, they said that you really captured the essence of what that part of France is like. Have you ever traveled to France or been to that area? 
no, it's still on the wish list. <laughs> but like I grew up watching all the story kind of climaxes during the Normandy invasion D-Day. And I grew up every, you know, November 11th watching all the all the movies, The Longest Day, things like that. And, you know, you really see those beaches and what what people went through and really captured the, my imagination. So I started working on some of these characters back when I was like 16. Franz was born, in essence, in my imagination and started working on his character. But also Google Maps also really helps. <laughs> you can get in close and get a feel for it. And there's so, like, there's so many videos and so much information available now that just wasn't not long ago so it's pretty amazing to be able to really delve into locations and even languages online that you really couldn't before for sure i don't know how authors ever wrote books before the internet came along i suppose they spent a lot of time at the library but even then you can't get this kind of detailed information that you can get online these days that's probably why they were like, write what you know, because <laughs> there's no way to find out anything else. <laughs> That's the best explanation of it I've ever heard. I think you're right about that for sure. Now, this book is a mixture of romance and it has some suspense in there. How do you balance out especially when you're writing World War II, which people expect to have a certain level of suspense in it. How do you balance the romance and the suspense, especially when you have this love triangle going on? I think it's just delving into like real feelings. Like it doesn't matter what's going on around you. Humans crave interaction and support and love. And you know, sometimes it takes you by surprise where it comes from, <laughs> like in Rosalie's case. But, you know, when you get to know someone and, you know, you start developing those feelings, especially in suspenseful moments, I mean, when life is on the line and, you know, you start to think, you know, do I want to lose this person? Because it's a very real possibility. Then those feelings develop deeper, quicker, I think. Yeah, you're probably right about that. A lot of the early reviews that I've read of this book as well talk about the very strong faith element that's part of this book. So as readers read this and go through this, I know as authors, we usually have some kind of an idea, a theme, if you will, or some type of takeaway that we want our readers to get out of our stories. What takeaway do you hope that your readers have from A Rose for the Resistance? I think the underlying one is hope, especially like you look at what's going on in the world today. Thankfully, we're not in the middle of a world war, but I mean, we could be on the verge of one. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> not to get political, but I mean, between COVID and everything else that's been going on, there's so much growing turmoil in the world. And but underlying, there should be hope. Exactly. I totally agree with you. How do you think that they were able to find hope in the midst of 
such terrible circumstances as World War II? I think a lot of it comes down to where your hope lies. Like if you're just hoping for the war to be over, if you're just hoping for, you know, everything to get back to normal, then, you know, there's so much standing between you and that. But if your hope lies in Christ, then there's less obstacles. You know, you're the only one standing in your way, really. (laughs) So, yeah, like I think you were saying that if our hope is in Christ, we don't have to worry about whatever comes our way. And I think that's a really important lesson for our generation and our kids' generation to take away from all of this. And I think that's why writing World War II is so important is to help ourselves and future generations understand what it was like in those days and to prepare them for whatever may be coming in their lifetimes. Yes. And World War II is just, it's such an extreme, but it wasn't that long ago. No, if you think back, there are still plenty of people alive. We're losing more and more every day, but there are still plenty of people alive who remember World War II And I've had the privilege, I don't know about you, but I've had the privilege of sitting down with a number of them, Mm -hmm. including my own parents, and learning from them at what this was like. And it's amazing to talk with these people and to think about what they went through during the war. It's just amazing. And I think that's been my draw to the World War II, especially writing about it is, you know, The characters I'm writing about, of course, are fiction, but these experiences and what they went through, it's it's not fiction. It happened to real people. Yeah, that's the thing that as I am writing and especially as I'm researching, I have to stop myself sometimes and think that very thing. This happened to real people. Real people lived these events. And Sometimes that's really difficult for me to wrap my mind around. Especially when they're such horrible experiences. (laughs) Yes. To think that they managed to have faith and somehow survive through all of that is just, it's amazing. And no wonder they're called the greatest generation. Now, you mentioned that you have five young children, relatively young compared to mine, and that you have a very busy household How do you manage to find time to write with five small children around? (laughs) I'm still trying to figure that out. (laughs) People ask me that all the time. I was like, I'm not sure. (laughs) And it's really like, it's just the, I have to write. Like, especially A Rose for the Resistance. We had just barely moved on to an acreage, three acres, a half developed house. So the basement wasn't developed and... All sorts of renos that needed doing. The yard needed a whole bunch of work. We started getting a couple of animals. I had a baby two months before I signed the contract, or actually one month before I signed the contract. Started to wonder, what was I thinking? (laughs) But, (laughs) and it was the tightest deadline. I had five months to put it together. And it was just like, I had to make the time. (laughs) I had to, you know, tired at the end of the day and you just sit down and make yourself work. And it, and it came together. You pray really hard (laughs) that you'll have the brain power. And, you know, those little moments when the Lord just gives you, you know, this is what you need to add, makes it all worth it. 
That's great. You are an inspiration to me because I don't know if I could do that with five little kids running around. And I suppose this was during COVID. They probably were all home with you too, or <laughs> well, many I, of them were. I actually homeschool, so yeah. Oh, <laughs> they <no>. never leave. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Now it just, you rose in my esteem another level. (laughs) And you have animals on your acreage. What do you have? I have a little Jersey cow. She's just one year old. So I have some time before I need to start milking. I have a Shetland pony for the kids. And then we have a handful of chickens, five dogs. We breed golden Irishes. So it's a golden retriever, Irish setter mix. So beautiful. Um, So we breed those and then a handful of cats and a couple of bunnies. Don't forget the bunnies. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So you don't have acreage. You have a little farm going on Yeah, it's like a hobby farm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My goodness. I just tell my husband, like the cow, the horse, I write historical. It's research. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, you must be very good. When you start milking, you'll learn about how to milk a cow. Exactly. And then they'll suddenly be showing up in all the novels. (laughs) (laughs) Write what you know, you know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You also have some background or experience in martial arts. Can you share with us about that? As a teen, I started training. It's Hapkido. So it's a Korean martial art, but it's mixed with karate, Aikido, Judo. So pretty much a nice, broad sweep of the martial arts. And yeah, so I became a second degree black belt in that and try to teach the kids as we go. <laughs> you don't like say, if you don't behave, I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> Down, give me push-ups. <laughs> no, it's more just that confidence that comes with knowing that you can take care of yourself. You know, being able to give my kids that. Yeah, that really is very important. And it's fun to bring it in with fight scenes. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you must be very good at writing those. So I'm going to have to mark this down. Russian, call Angela. Fight scenes, call Angela. <laughs> Send them my way. I'll give you a <laughs> give you a hand with those. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Do you see another World War II novel in your future? Yeah, it's it's an era. It's the first era I started writing. Like I said, when I was 16, I started researching and playing around. My very first novel was World War II, and the full thing will never never see day of light but Franz Kafka actually was one of the main characters in that so I took him his character and some of the scenes from that story and brought it into a rose for the resistance so that was really really fun yeah how fun to be able to use some past stuff for sure but yeah I have another series that we're pitching to publishers right now that's post-world war ii and just you know it dabbles in world war ii and then just coming home from the war and how do you how do you go back to normal from that yeah it was not easy for a lot of those soldiers who returned home but you mentioned that you have a canadian mountie series coming up next why don't you share with us about that yeah so ironically the name also has rose in it it's where wild roses bloom is the first book and it actually released a week ago <laughs> so i have oh. twins <laughs> Um, <laughs> a rose for resistance and where wild roses bloom. I don't know how that happened. 
but yeah, so set in Southern Alberta, where I was born and raised, and in Where Wild Roses Bloom, it's a lady coming up from Colorado, Wyoming, or somewhere like that. (laughs) It's like, where did she come from? (laughs) Talking about World War II here. You know, just trying to escape her past and coming into Southern Alberta and meeting the local Mountie and, you know, everything that ensues from that. Wow, sounds very interesting. And I did not realize that was out already. You're right, twins. You you were a little bit insane to be doing not one book, but two books at the same time you had everything else going on. Yeah, it's funny how things work out, but you roll with it and see what you can get done. All right. If listeners would like to connect with you, how can they keep up with you? Easiest way is my website. If you go on my website, you can find everything from my email address to my newsletter. If you want to be informed of any new book releases or really good deals, sign up for the newsletter. And I just put out a newsletter whenever there's a new release or something really exciting. Don't swamp anybody's mailbox. (laughs) We appreciate that very much. And your website is AngelaKCouch.com, correct? Yep. Okay. Sounds great. Do you have any last words for the listeners? Just happy reading, whatever you're reading. Hope you enjoy it. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today, Angela. We have thoroughly enjoyed this and we're so glad you were able to make this work. Thank you. It's been fun chatting. Well, wasn't that great fun to chat with Angela? She was a fabulous guest, and it was great to get to know her a little bit more and to get to know about her life and about her writing a little bit. Definitely going to be looking forward to whatever is coming from her next. Might have to check out that Canadian Mountie series. Remember that if you would like more information about A Rose for the Resistance or a handy link to purchase the book, or if you'd like to find out more about Angela, then please visit my website, which is liztolsma.com. The show notes are over there. I will also have a link to her Canadian Mountie series over there, so you can find that as well. You can also find out more about my Patreon over there. I would love it if you would help to support Christian Historical Fiction Talk for just a few dollars a month. You'll get some bonus content, a chance to ask your own questions of these authors who come on, and some extra things there as well. So check that out over on my website. There will be a link to my Patreon there. And I thank you, whether you can support me financially to keep this podcast going, or if you support me by listening and by sharing it with your friends, I do really appreciate it. We had an absolutely outstanding month last month, and I thank you so much for it. It's because of you that we are able to keep this going, and I do appreciate it. Next week's guest or topic is going to be a complete surprise to both you and me. We have a few things going on behind the scenes here, and it has pushed the guests we were going to have back, possibly. We might still be able to get her on, but we might have to push her back a little bit. I might take a week off. I might come on and chat about something. It's going to be a surprise. So why don't we leave it at that for both me and for you a surprise. 
but make sure that you're subscribed or that you follow us on social media or both so that you know whenever the next episode comes out and whatever it is that you are the first to know about it. I do appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Christian Historical Fiction Talk. Have a great week. We will see you next time.